1: Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy.
2: Hugh Hallman, Sam Stone. We'll go alph- alphabetically. First thoughts, take it anywhere you want, Hugh.
3: I'm sorry, Sam. I was going to go with you first, too, but here we go. Okay. Uh, uh, where I would go is that this is a debate. Let's set the stage. Uh, For our further arguments, this is a debate among five candidates who are vying to be the opponent for Donald Trump. One of them has to survive. That's the goal here for them. This debate was presented to people who already have decided, because that's who they're pitching to, have decided that Donald Trump is not their candidate. So now the task for these people is to do what? Convince them they're not Donald Trump and argue why they're different from Donald Trump or convince them why they're the best of these candidates based on the policy issues they want to discuss.
1: Sam Stone. I, I mean, I, I disagree in that I think for any of them to have an actual path to victory, they have to begin laying out why they're a better choice than Donald Trump and comparing and contrasting themselves to him. And it's one thing to compare and contrast yourselves to each other. And there are some stark differences on this stage. But at the same time, if you're not addressing the 800 pound gorilla in the room, you're just going to get eaten by the gorilla. I mean, it, you know, the, people take the idea, have said you can't attack Donald Trump. Well, people said that six, eight, nine months ago when Trump was polling at 38, 39, 40%. And they have kept saying that while Donald Trump has increased that polling to 51 percent, 52 percent.
3: I don't think he's increasing his polling because uh, he's improved in his performance. I think the American people uh, who are on the conservative side are vying in or weighing in on the fact that they're sick and tired of seeing an entire government structure in a whole host of places attacking Donald Trump in ways that they view as unfair. And that is enhancing his his electability from those people. The disagreement I think we have is who do these five candidates have to uh, articulate their case to? And they're articulating their case to people who already are deciding that Donald Trump isn't their candidate. And while I agree with you, they ultimately will have to be able to beat the 800-pound gorilla. They first got to beat the other 200-pound gorillas on the stage.
1: I I don't know, because talking to people who are not Trump supporters, who are, are very much against him and frankly, I think are... It's a real problem we saw exposed in the party yesterday because you have two very distinct voting blocks that are essentially not the same party at this point. Mm. Um, Those folks want someone who can take on Donald Trump, who can fight back against the bully. And so if you're going to coalesce those non-Trump votes, I think as many of those voters are waiting for someone who they feel can actually stand up to Trump. As someone who stands out for a a range of policy positions, which realistically, while there's some daylight between Ramaswamy and the other four, there's not a huge difference in this field and not even with Donald Trump on any policy.
3: Yes, but that I guess the point I would continue to make is that they have to make themselves out to be the person who can beat Donald Trump and be president. The group of people who are going to support one of these candidates is looking for someone who is not Donald Trump. And that is somebody who they, in the old style version, is someone who can be president. In that regard, I thought tonight, in order of performance, was uh, Chris Christie, who improved his performance significantly over prior debates. Then I would put Nikki Haley second with a huge problem. She took the bait from Bamaswamy and destroyed her own electability. She became... Uh, hostile, nasty, and wasn't very convincing, and that was, I think, a big stab at at her shot. Uh, Tim Scott, lovely fellow, but running entirely on faith is not going to get you the presidency in this instance. He did Might cite. Iowa. He he he's he, right. He cited. Uh, Ronald Reagan and uh, Abraham Lincoln, both of whom understood that they could call on faith to those people who are faithful by quoting concepts that are important to people of faith without ever using those words. So Ronald Reagan talks city on a hill without quoting which Bible verse he's taking it from. (laughs) Mr. Scott, that was the point, as Abraham Lincoln did the same thing. Both of them very well read in the Bible, probably Abraham Lincoln more so, but neither of them held themselves out. As quote Christians unquote.
2: Interesting. Where where would you put DeSantis tonight? I think
3: DeSantis came in after uh, after Nikki Haley only because attitudinally he's still not coming off yes, as is. somebody who is genuine. Uh, or or presidential, so he he needs to find that mix between Nikki Haley and uh, and Chris Christie, and he still hasn't found that voice, Mr. Stone.
1: I would agree hundred percent. Chris Christie was the strongest person on the stage tonight, and and I actually I thought he was very strong in the first debate. I thought he got a little too kind of snippy in the second debate, um, but I thought he had the right tone. He was very, he was presidential, and you're right about Nikki Haley. I would disagree on, on everyone after Chris Christie because given Haley's foible in that particular pair of exchanges with Ramaswamy, I didn't see another president on that stage.
2: And, and Ramaswamy.
1: Between, no, I'm sorry,
2: between two, between Nikki Haley and Chris Christie.
1: But, but, uh, Chris Christie was the, was the president. presidential. Oh, and other than that, other you than didn't H- see a president. I did not see a president on that stage other than Chris Christie. He came off as, I can handle this job. I'm the right kind of person with the right uh, gravitas. Everyone else came off as either insufficient or insecure. Tim Scott, from what you – exactly, I agree. It's great for a senator. He's got a great shtick for a Senate candidate. He's got a great shtick for a lower office. But it it just doesn't come across as this guy's our next leader. Mm -hmm. Ramaswamy came across as childish too often. Haley botched it in that exchange. DeSantis offered no particular reason to support him over anyone else, um, and he wasn't inspiring in any way. And this comes from someone I love, Ron DeSantis. Oh. So this is hard for me to watch this campaign he's done because this is terrible, but it is what it is.
3: Well, that's the the brilliance of what we get to do is none of us is working for a particular candidate at this stage, and we get to sit back and sort of watch the fight And I've now changed three times because I, I originally was thinking DeSantis was going to be the guy. Then I thought Nikki Haley would do it. Tonight, she took the bait. And lo and behold, Chris Christie resumes the position where he was a year ago. And he lost it because, in my view... When he attacked Trump so directly so many times, it made him look like he was the child. Yeah. And instead, that's where I think we originally kind of disagree, but maybe not. I, he I, rose up in a presidential way and has the gravitas now to be able to stand there and take on Donald Trump if that's what he wants.
1: I, I actually – so I, maybe we don't disagree because I don't – I'm not talking about people throwing insults at Donald Trump the way Donald Trump is, is like to throw insults at other people. I'm saying what these candidates need to do is contrast how they will be as a president against Donald Trump, not as much against each other. Someone's got to make the argument they are a better president than Trump. Christie in many ways did that. And I think he had some some key contrasts. DeSantis in particular, though, misses a lot of opportunities to say, listen, here's the areas where Trump has fallen down and not succeeded. And this is what I've done. And that's why I'm a better choice. And you could particularly look, Seth and I have talked about this on air a lot, COVID, the entire situation around COVID. He used to do it, you know? He used to. Someone,
2: DeSantis almost has the feel like it's way too much of a managed message because he used to do Trump on COVID. Exactly. And tonight he dropped it. And the only shot he took at him that I remember was a small one on the wall.
3: I'm just going to say, and the one person who did take the shot directly was Nikki Haley about COVID
2: I want to get back to a couple different things. both of you analyzed and did a good job of analyzing who came off strongest in your opinions and who came off most presidential two part question that we didn't get to in the first segment one um who do you think who do you think would do the best against a Democrat in a debate one on one or in the two debates that they likely will have, whether it's it's probably not Joe Biden. We can come back to that if you want. It's probably Gretchen Whitmer or, or Gavin Newsom. Who do you think of that group would do the best in debating them and. Do you think that's anything people are looking for? Are they looking on that debate stage for the person not who can just be president, but who can win the presidency against a Democrat? I'll reverse the order this time and start with you, Sam.
1: Well, I don't think people are necessarily looking for that right now in that way necessarily. But, I mean, I would say Chris Christie, number one, and, and interestingly sort of Tim Scott, number two. I mean, the, the problem – and it, it turns my stomach the presidential debates and, and presidential campaigns in general devolve into kind sounding platitudes and nasty attack ads and pretty much nothing in between. But that is sort of the national tenor the last couple of decades. You think um,
2: people were looking for that or – do? You, and, and either way, that's the smaller question. Who I, would do better? I'll
3: be rude to folks who support President Trump. Those who are supporting President Trump are less concerned about whether he'll win and more concerned about the fact that they want him to be the candidate. I think the people who are left undecided and are looking at these five candidates are more interested in looking for that person who can win. And you saw Nikki Haley take that branch and run with it on the abortion question. It is how do we build a consensus that allows us to gather the American people in the middle and win this election when abortion is now the number one issue Democrats are going to use against Republicans. And we've now seen seven states go that direction where Republicans hanging their hat on abortion as their issue are going to get killed.
1: My 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 problem with that, and I agree, but my problem with it is that I don't think a presidential candidate on their own can uh, solve that dis- debate or settle that debate with a consensus. And one of the big things that's missing, we saw it in Ohio, we've seen it over and over, and we're going to be seeing it here in Arizona, where right now they're hiring people to go gather signatures for that. They're paying twenty two dollars an hour plus a hundred buck bonus for every twenty valid signatures. That's a huge amount of money. Republicans are being on the
3: abortion issue, by the way, yeah, Yeah.
1: Republicans are being dominated across this country on funding specifically on that issue, but more broadly on campaigns. And we have this huge network of pro-life groups in the country that have for 60 years raised money on they're going to be the ones to be out front defending life. They finally got Roe v. Wade overturned and they have gone into a hole. We don't see them. They're not there. Where's that? Where is that? Other than um, uh, the one Susan B. Anthony list, right? They spend money on both TV ads and mail. I don't think those are the most effective avenues if that's all you do anymore. But at least what they're doing is positive and it, it's, it's doing the right things. I'm sorry. I'm calling out all the rest of these groups. If you fought for this and you believe in life... Then you better start turning out and turning up you it doesn't have to be money, it can be volunteers. it can be networking. It can be all the things that we know in terms of activism that win races but until those groups show up if you're expecting a presidential candidate to be the one who solves this issue by themselves i think that's i think that is is your your dreaming
3: and i'm not what I was pointing out is that. Uh, the the question was, how are how are people viewing these candidates as being the person who beats the Democrat versus beats Donald Trump? And I think this audience is looking for the person who is going to give them answers that they can support. And that can be broadly enough uh, coalesce that you'll get someone who can beat the Democrats right now. The most recent polling that I'd looked at, you've got Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis or Donald Trump, Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis beating the Democrats, all across the board, all three of them, so and in I,
2: battlegrounds, yeah,
3: that's correct. In battleground states, you've, you you see polls Donald now. Trump, Two polls. correct. Trump. You see Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, and Nikki Haley. But the order really is Nikki Haley, Donald Trump, then Ron DeSantis, beating Democrats and attracting uh, Hispanics and Blacks. That's a huge shift. When you've got the hard left now uh, talking about how lovely it is that uh, Joe Biden is still polling well with older white people, (laughs) really? That's the Democratic Party talking about get beat up. Yes, exactly right. (laughs) And and now it's their saving grace. Uh, And and so I think what I'm I'm merely saying is that looking tonight, you've got a couple of candidates who I think will do well in debating. I thought, other than she taking the bait uh, from Vamaswamy, you've got. Two people up there who would debate well, Ron DeSantis the third being the weakest. Uh, I agree with you. Tim Scott's got a fun angle, but he's not. Gonna, it's not going to carry him to the presidency.
1: No, it's it's not going to get him through. But I'm just talking about in a presidential yeah, yeah. type campaign. Yeah. His demeanor plays well. Yeah, plus, yeah. obviously, the fact that he's African American. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's playing for Iowa clearly. He's playing for the
2: vice presidential candidacy more than anyone else on that stage. And by the way, the only viable on that stage, the only viable vice you know presidential you, candidate, who, if it's Donald Trump, you know what I
1: want from Vinic- no one.
2: Donald Trump can't pick anyone
1: else on there. No one else there wants to be picked. He would. He probably would. Um, If I were Donald Trump and given tonight and everything else and, frankly, his expertise, I would rush out and and name Vivek Ramaswamy the head of the FCC. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Name the cabinet right ahead of time. I have comments on a bunch of other stuff. This is just a weird political science thing of mine. I noticed, unless you guys picked up differently, um, Tim Scott was the only one who used the word Christian. He used it twice. Or four times, still the only one who used it. Nikki Haley, interestingly, the only one who used the word socialism. I think I'm right about that. And I thought that was interesting just as a matter of intellectual, conservative, you know, the kind of stuff I kind of play with. Attacking
3: socialism, and I thought she did it well. Uh, She raised it in a good way and, and hit it very effectively. But there was nobody who really spoke to the vision and values in the way that a Ronald Reagan did or other similar candidates except Tim Scott, and he then went so far that he you know, takes him off the list for 80% of uh, the voters.
2: You know what? The winning thing, everyone knows this by a claim at this point, that Ronald Reagan said was, are you better off than you were four years ago? You can't really use that line anymore.
3: Not. I'm sorry. Donald Trump has used America first. Of course you could use that line again, and that is our best argument.
2: My point was... No one up there spoke to that,
3: right? And, and that I thought was the biggest that was surprise. Interesting,
2: yeah. No yeah. one, no one brought that up. Now you took note and you said Biden's name did come up a bunch. It didn't come up enough for me to remember that it came up.
3: I much. hear you, and it, it is the same with. They only asked one direct question on the economy, mm-hmm. when it is as Bill Clinton's team would say, it's about the economy. Stupid. That's what this is about. Almost the entire debate was international affairs and one direct question on the economy. Yeah.
1: yeah. So so Chris Christie obviously wasn't in office during COVID. So there there wasn't, you know, I mean he, you know, he's in the private sector at that point. I don't know if he did something for a private business or something. Um he comes off as perfectly authentic to me. I don't agree with him on plenty of things. Um we're just talking here about who came off the best from this debate. In a very surreal moment where we yeah. think none of these guys will um, be the guy. Right, right. <laughs> right. Let's, um, so let's I take mean, that point. I, look, I, I am a huge I, and, and remain a huge fan of Ron DeSantis. I think he's done an absolutely brilliant job in Florida. I mean, I was talking to some guys. How good a job he's done is this. I'm working with some folks who are looking at, at ballot initiatives in key swing states to drive turnout in states that we may lose for the Senate and the presidential race. We can't even find an issue in Florida to put on the ballot because DeSantis has done it all. Uh, He's been a brilliant governor. It's interesting.
3: Um, And and the question then becomes, John, and this has been my issue with DeSantis in his performances, he in my 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 sense of him he is not coming off as authentic he's for me the candidate who's not hitting it as uh, it's as if he's reading a script that's running in his head when he lived this stuff and he should be expressing it in a way that he's talking as if you know this is what i did in a way that demonstrates a real feel for what he accomplished
1: yeah i do not see the ron DeSantis that we saw throughout COVID. exactly that was an incredibly authentic real you know part of that though. This is Bad campaign. Part of that too
2: was, you know, when you're having an argument, you need to have someone hitting the ball back. And a lot of that DeSantis stuff was a lot of what made Chris Christie popular early on when he was governor, when he was sparring with the teachers unions. It was he was a rock star. He was a sex symbol for the Republican Party who couldn't spread his YouTubes around fast enough. That was Ron DeSantis with the media during COVID. And that's not there for them now during this debate.
3: And in part, it's because, uh, and I think it's a legitimate criticism, is, uh, criticism in some way. You've got NBC as you know, two or three moderators who are asking questions that are interesting to that chattering class. Almost everything was international affairs, except things like, so exactly how many people are you going to shove off of Social Security, and what age are you going to cut back seniors to? Questions set up to harm Republican candidates in the general election.
2: If it's not too much of a sin to say, though, I kind of felt like they did a better job moderating than the first two debates.
3: Is that saying very much?
2: That's my problem. Fair enough. It's not. They did. did. Okay. (laughs) It's not. I like that. There's probably someone here who has watched as many debates, though younger than us, as we have, because he spends a lot of time on C-SPAN and YouTube, and that is my producer, David Dahl, and we have not asked his opinion. Tell tell us what you thought about the debate.
4: I— Took some notes yep. in real time along with you folks. I enjoyed watching it in our lovely conference room. Um, Divick came in swinging strong, but he finished poorly. I agree. I know that was said earlier tonight. A lot of chaos about the midway mark. Um, again, as you mentioned, Hugh, stepping on each other's toes. It's not nice, and it doesn't belong in any kind of presidential debate ever. The past eight years have shown us that. But what do you do? Um, Divick's responses to the economic Questions were interesting to me. I was a little confused when he mentioned increasing the supply of money. (laughs) Um, The Israel Pivot by Christie at about a quarter after seven. I did like that, but I thought it was not well placed. It seemed more of a dodge, even though I think he was well-intentioned. And, again, I think Haley is trying to uh, trademark Unholy Alliance. Uh, Evil Empire Part 2, maybe Part 3 now we're on. Unholy alliance, just like George W. Bush had the uh, Axis of Evil.
3: She did get it mixed up once yeah. and inadvertently uh, uh, threw in uh, the wrong country: Ukraine, Russia, and China as the <laughs> evil yeah.
4: axis. Yeah. Uh, I, did you have a winner? Did I have a winner? Hard to say because everybody seemed to have started or finished better or worse.
2: Does it change the polling, gentlemen? Does it change the polling in Iowa? Does it
1: change the polling in New Hampshire for second best? or second place. It may shift New Hampshire more than Iowa. Iowa I I always say you don't know really even based on the polling what's happening mm-hmm. in Iowa because the caucus system is 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 wacky and it's hard to predict how that's going to come out organizing is as critical as the candidate. Yeah. It's that
3: door-to-door work that one has to do. It's like a a city council race or a school board race in the old days when you'd go door-to-door knock, and that was all done so surreptitiously and quietly that you didn't really know what the results were going to be. I agree. I do think New Hampshire might shift, um, and does it shift – Christie over Haley, where she was performing yeah the, yeah that's a good great point. That's so the really breakdown I, I have
2: yeah, the breakdown I have in second place is haley uh, DeSantis, Christie, with the real po- real clear politics average, but DeSantis and Christie are
1: very close. I bet Christie increases in New Hampshire that's you, know what I'm thinking so. you know what i'm very curious to find out uh, because one of the two uh, questions about the economy essentially was about social security, and we got a lot of the same kind of platitudes. Chris Christie gave an honest, realistic, and simple, accurate explanation of the issue. And when he said, Look, you got to be realistic. You have age, eligibility, and taxes. Those are the only three things we have control over as it relates to keeping Social Security solvent. And then he went in and, and said, Look, I'm going to raise the eligibility age for people who aren't close to it. He said, I'm going to means test it. He didn't uh, use he didn't, didn't say means testing. T- and that's
3: what's important. The last time means testing came up was nineteen eighty four. And the Reagan Bush administration and that campaign abandoned it in Seal Beach in August of nineteen eighty four, with George Herbert Walker Bush standing in on that stage in front of ten thousand senior citizens and said, We are not going to means test Social Security. And so when Chris Christie made that point, I went I'll be damned a good idea is back.
1: <laughs> it's, no, it's look, it's a great idea. It's one that I have advocated for on you're doing the doing me both. Um, I, I think both I did think Tim Scott had a very good point when he pointed to the difference between blue collar workers, physical laborers, and white collar, because Brilliant. I think there should be a difference between those when you're looking at retirement age. Um, and You like the Warren Buffett line too. Yeah. If you're Warren Buffett, you shouldn't be. I, was that Chris yeah, Christie's You
2: would yeah. be
3: ashamed to That's how he, yeah. we knew he was yeah. talking about yeah. means testing. Yeah. It was when he finally goes after Warren Buffett. Yeah. And Although, interestingly, was it Haley who mentioned somebody else who was cashing a check? Yeah. I thought yeah. you should be embarrassed. You yeah. should yes. just be turning that into charity. Yeah.
1: Yes, and that's absolutely right. Oh, Bernie Marcus, I think. That's it. So so that was the most honest answer I've heard on Social Security on a national stage from any major politician in a long, long time. And I'm very curious to see what the reaction will be because that level of honesty in that debate is not (laughs) something we see almost ever
3: and the nice thing is i think he pitched it in a way that had reagan bush done it in 84 they might have gotten away with and it was not means testing that's literally it was rich people shouldn't be getting social security yeah. and he went into the detail about you know i'm glad that we supply these other benefits but you don't get them if you don't need them and you shouldn't be getting social security if you have got a pension and a bunch of other resources because you don't need it and while, you know if i hear again that everybody's paid in and they're just getting their money out, we all have to know that that's nonsense. You take the amount of money any average retiree has paid into the system and they get that out in a few years, and the amount of money that's then coming out of the system is because the length of retirement is so much longer than the entire basis of the pension fund has been established on.
2: If there was a question that should have been asked, if it wasn't, what would it have been? I'm curious. And was Venezuela out of nowhere a little
1: bit? Venezuela was completely out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, that was you know it's part of a broader issue about oil yeah. and energy independence. What I thought was funny was you heard from three different ones the phrase "energy dominant," yeah. which is actually from they're pulling that from Harold Hamm's book that right. came out a, a short time ago. That's what he talks about in yeah. that book. You can see they've all been taking crib notes. Uh, Harold Hamm, so it was who, Scott, or I'm a Swami, and Nick. Yeah, oh, the, o- o- the it, yeah. Okla- is in Oklahoma is an Oklahoma. Uh, oil, oilmen. Um, so that I thought was interesting. The question I didn't have was really about focused question on inflation. And that wasn't it. And,
3: and similarly, it was how do you cut spending? How do you train and get a hold of the debt?
1: That really wasn't asked.
3: It was they and everybody tried to get their answer in. That was never for right. a question never asked yeah. on both both inflation and and the debt.
2: You know, one of the one of the things I guess will be a takeaway of is a non story. Each of these debates have winnowed out the field a little bit more, have shrunken it just a little bit more. My guess is that won't happen after tonight. My guess is those five that you saw will still be there a little bit. I wonder if that's true to your mind
1: as well. Maybe. I'm I'm still not sure we're actually going to, I mean, really have another debate. Here's my take. I thought Trump was brilliant and smart and did the right thing to skip the first one. I was fine with him skipping the second one. I think he should have been on that stage tonight, but he should have dictated that it be top three or four only, very small, and then this next one should be top two, and he should be on stage. I I really do think at some point, as much as people out there love Donald Trump, I look at it when I see candidates who don't get that rhythm, that testing, that experience during the primary, even though he's already had it, it's a weakness – he needs to come on stage and face the music with another candidate or two. I actually think that's critically important for his chances in the following November.
2: Well, if he is going to go up against a Gretchen Whitmer or against and Gavin will Newsom, be. and it will be someone – he will be debating someone. You don't want to be that rusty. That has been one of the advantages of doing primary debates is you're prepared for the real debate.
3: And it is the preparation one yeah. has to do. Right. To prepare for these debates as these candidates clearly did this evening. I thought uh, Tim Scott was the rustiest or least least polished uh, in his responses in some ways. But I guess I would say it this way, that um, however we get there, I would ask those people who are absolutely committed to Donald Trump to be paying attention to these folks in the event something happens. Uh, All kinds of things could happen between now and the time we're actually at a convention selecting a candidate. It's happened in the past. It's certainly going to happen to the Democratic Party, and it was uh, fun that uh, uh, the Democrats were called out by one of the uh, uh, debaters about uh, putting up a real candidate. Mm -hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. So my conclusion would just be that we all need to be prepared to have whoever ends up in that ring be as good a candidate as we possibly can because it's getting closer and closer to being for all the marbles. $33 trillion in debt and what's going to happen to this country's ability to manage that, the international environment, and all the other large issues we're facing, it's as difficult as it's been since uh, 1980. And, and the
1: American people are more on edge than they've ever been. Yeah, and if you want to be the next president of the United States, you need to be up in front of the people now. I, I didn't blame anybody up to now, but now it's time.